Amen. I've been looking forward to this, ser- this sermon. We're in a series called God-Given Benefits. I'm enjoying that we left the Christmas decorations because we're talking about gifts of God that have been given to us, benefits that have been given to us. If you would, you, would you turn your Bibles to Psalm 103 or uh, click your tablets on and, and go to Psalm 103. We see here in this writing that David is in the beginning of a huge breakthrough in his life. And what he was instilled by God to do was to remind himself of the benefits that will continue to take him to the next step. We've learned in this series and we understand spiritually that in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer that Jesus has overcome this world or what this world wants to offer. And he's reminding himself, he's speaking to his soul. He's speaking to his emotions, his mind, his will, and emotions. And he's saying, remember exactly what God has given you to take you through into the new realm that God is taking you, or as we are terming what the Holy Spirit gave us prophetically, that we're terming a breakthrough in your life. And so what we've covered so far is supernatural forgiveness, supernatural health and healing, supernatural divine redemption, and the fourth today is kind of a funny thing, but we'll explain it to you, supernatural crownings. And notice it's plural. It's not a singular crown. It's plural. Next time together, we're going to talk about supernatural satisfaction is guaranteed when you walk in God's ways. When you come under obedience of the authority of God, moving in the authority that God's given you. So we need to align ourselves. We need to align our hearts, our minds. We need to align our emotions to what God, reminding ourselves of what God has done already, that it's a gift, that you can't earn it, is that you receive it. And you receive it by faith. Align ourselves because they're gifts. Now, It's like your GPS. If you miss your turn, what does your GPS tell you? Recalculating. And so what David is saying to himself, remember, he's not going to some counselor, he's not going to uh, some service, some worships or whatever. He is by himself, we understand, writing this, and he's saying what he did by himself. He recalculated his emotions, his feelings. He recalculated what the things that were going on because he's right at the, the, the beginning stage of this huge breakthrough in his life in a lot of the things that we understand of David and his life and what he did through his, his years 
This was the beginning stage, but what he had to do to be able to get there, he had to recalculate his soul and align it to what God said. Align it to what God was showing him. And those that are married, you know, you have your GPS and you're driving home and you just put it on because you want to know how long it's going to take you in California, the traffic. And so you're driving home and you know you're going to be turning left, but there it goes. It says turn left in certain amount of time. And, um, and then someone sitting next to you says, why is it telling you to go there? Go straight and then turn left. So what do you do as very intelligent, mature men? You turn off your GPS and you go, yes, ma'am. Can anybody relate to that? Amen. You know, my wife has saved my life many times. I've driven home thousands of times from this office. And sometimes she's with me. She saved my life because I almost missed the turn I've done for a thousand times. Wow. See, we are to align ourselves to what God is saying, to recalculate, to do it God's way. In Psalm 103, verses 1 through 4, Remember, they are gifts from God. Again, I'm going to say that because we, we have to really get back to, to the, the truth of what is really happening here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. So it says who crowns you, but notice with loving kindness and tender mercies. Keep that in your craw. Loving kindness and tender mercies. What does it mean that God crowns us with kindness and tender mercies? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer this by giving you three questions, and I will answer those questions. So the first question is, what is a supernatural divine crown? Since God crowns us, obviously it's supernatural, obviously it's divine, And because God is supernatural and divine, it's something that you can't do yourself. A crown all through Scripture represents authority. So God gives us authority and wants us to walk with authority on this earth. And it's a gift. It's something given. It's something that is given by God. But I want to remind you that Jesus, God's son, walked with authority too. In Matthew 7, let's read this. In verse 28, it says, And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one 
having authority and not as the religious people, the scribes. So it says they never heard teaching like this that Jesus gave. Now, I want you just to understand this uh, because you can read it later. It is actually the end of the Sermon on the Mount found in chapters 5, 6, and most of chapter 7. So where did Jesus get the authority? Many people think that Jesus got this authority because he was Jesus. I mean, that's simple. He was Jesus. That's why he had authority. But you must understand something about authority. All authority is given. Very important. If you look at Scripture, right before the Great Commission, it says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always till the end of the age. But right before that, Jesus says, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all, now, okay, we know it's Jesus because it's red letter in your Bible. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. John 13, 3, very quickly, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. So this chapter is also where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So I want you to understand, every time it talks about authority, okay, I misspoke. Almost every time that it talks about authority, there is a passage or a scripture before or after that talks about serving. That talks about serving. Because right now we're talking about crownings. We're talking about king. Think about this. How could Jesus wash their feet even though Jesus knew that God, the Father, gave him all things? That Jesus had all authority. Why would he even do that? Because he's the king. Authority is given, watch this, and authority can be taken back and authority can be lost. I'll say that again. Authority is given, and authority can be taken back, and authority can be lost. Think about why is that? Because authority is given by God and God alone. You can have the position and the title and not have authority. Has any of you ever struggled with someone who's in authority? Anybody? You better raise all your hands and all your feet and toes and fingers. Because we all have. But we need to understand that the Bible says that all authority has been given by God, but, but sometimes people don't function in the authority, the God kind of authority. With this in mind, no positions come with responsibility. I know that there are times when people have positions of authority, but they don't have authority because authority comes from God and God alone. Sometimes they maneuver into it. It's not God's plan, but they're there. 
Authority doesn't come from the way you talk. Authority doesn't come by the way you walk. And doesn't come by the way you carry yourself. Did you know that Jesus walked as the Lamb of God? But also, we know that he was a great shepherd. Jesus came to die, the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb, to die for your sins and mine, so that we can live the life that we have. But he also was a great shepherd. Before he became the great shepherd, he was the Lamb of God. So Jesus didn't walk on this earth as a know-it-all either, even though he did know it all. He didn't walk as a big shot, but as a loving, kind, merciful Savior. Yet, he had great authority. Follow the process here, what I'm showing you. So many times when we read he crowns us, we only focus on the crown. I'm a faith guy. I do walk in authority, spiritual authority. But I do walk in spiritual authority, in authority in this world too. In many different situations of life. but it isn't focusing on the crown. It's who I am in authority. The crown is for authority, but again, Jesus walked in loving kindness and tender mercy. Everyone who came in contact with Jesus knew he had authority because of why? Not because of the crown, not because of the position, but because of tender kindness and mercy. When promotion comes, Psalm 75 says that promotion comes from God. When promotion comes, we need to understand the first thought we should ever have is not the crown. It's the kindness and mercy that we should live out in our life. That's what produces the power of God to remove things and help you break through into the newness that God has called you to, the new season, the promotion. Sometimes people who don't have any kind of position or title at all, they walk in great authority because they're kind and they're tender. So what is a supernatural crown, divine crown? It is authority. But Scripture explains to us, in many instances, when it talks about authority, it talks about serving. So here's question number two. Why are we crowned? Well, let me tell you what I'm going to show you is that God crowns us to reign in this life over sin and death. The authority that you are given is not to have authority over people, even though in this life there will be authority over people. But it's not over people that you're the king and what you say goes. So turn to Romans 5, verse 21. So that sin reigned in death 
even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's what Romans 5.21 is telling us. Sin reigned in our lives before Jesus Christ. And death reigned in our lives until grace came. Our last series, grace. Whose grace? Jesus Christ. Sin and death reigned in our lives, but now if we accepted Jesus Christ, grace now reigns in our lives. And when you understand authority, you're crowned with authority, kindness and mercy. Then when you're walking in this life and tribulation wants to attach itself to you, then you begin to understand that your reign is not that, you know, you're just beating it back, beating it back because we've already won you don't allow life to change who you are. And that's why David is in the beginning stage of moving into a realm of being king, being crowned king, to have all of this power and authority. But he's reminding himself that all of this is given by God. He doesn't earn it. He doesn't work for it. He doesn't make it happen. God gave it. Okay, follow that. Keep that in your, in your mind now, that God gave it. And we're going to show you what we do with it, what David was trying to do. So again, Romans 5.21 is telling us until grace came. So then how do we reign in this life? You look back at verse 17 of Romans 5. It says, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, this sentence is a little hard to understand, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. How do you reign in this life? How do you walk in this authority? It's not by doing. You reign by receiving. And what I'm saying here, because how many of you ever been promoted and you got scared? How many of you moved into a new realm in your life and you got scared? New situation in life changed. I can look around and with, with Elsie and, and many of you that are here that have, you've lost, lost your spouses. How do you live this life where you were joined together and now it seems like it's only you? Is you receive this authority. And it's nothing that you can do, even though the emotions are there, the tears are there. I won't tell you who it was, just a dear sister of ours, you know, comes in and says hi to me periodically and... and I hugged her, I said, you know, how you doing and different things, and tears welled up, because it's the holidays, all the different things. And I hugged her again, and I said, I'm sorry. And she goes, that's okay, I'm okay, I, I, I'm okay, but this just happens once in a while. See, that was a, that was a time where then I began to talk to her, just not in a and God said, and the scripture here says, and the way you should believe is this, and the way you should feel. No, I didn't do that. What I just said, 
I said, I want you to know God's given you everything you need. He's given you, and you receive it. Right now, your emotions are, are everywhere. Everything is there. But how do you reign over sin and death? Because what sin does, it causes you to worry, to fear, to do all these things. How do you reign? You receive the crownings of God in authority. And you walk in, ten, in kindness and mercy. You don't allow your soul, mind, will, and emotions to change you and to become bitter or angry or anything like that. Matter of fact, Scripture even says, because this stuff's going to happen, it says be angry and sin not. So you're going to be angry sometimes. You're not going to like the way you feel. You're not going to like the what's going on in your life. But if you're going to go to this breakthrough, to this next level in your life, then you need to remind yourself as David did. Remember what God has given you, and it's greater than you can ever work for. Wow. Anybody with me on that? So let me confess something here. We need to receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I need an abundance of grace every day. Anybody else? I need to choose to speak to my soul, to my mind, to my heart, to my emotions, and say, God, I thank you for your grace. Because right now, I don't feel like I can handle what's going on in my life right now. I don't need a little grace either. <laughs> I need a lot of grace. Okay, you might have it better than I do, but I, I need a lot of grace. So what is that? Abundance of grace is a lot of God's enabling, a lot of God's power, a lot of God's mercy, and a lot of God's forgiveness. But, you know, the problem is, is because we focus on the crownings, authority. But, you know, let me just say it this way. I have authority in Jesus. But that's... You know, problem is there are some believers who really don't believe that they don't need an abundance of grace anymore because they got it all together. There are even leaders in churches today, and I'm not just talking about the pastor church, and they're doing so well. They're reading scripture. They've graduated from OSL. They've done all kinds of things, and everything is great. All of that helps. All of that is a process of scripture of discipleship, of being mentored in discipleship. That's a key of life, to be disciples. But we stop receiving grace. I've even heard teachings where, you know, when you're first born again, grace is so important to you, but then after a while, you get to know the Word, and you become such a strong faith person, and you don't need grace anymore. Oh, man. You know what that's called? 
Remember we talked last year? It's called deception. And we begin believing things. We begin believing things that we believe are true. And even though people will bring a scripture or you'll read a scripture, you'll pass by and say, oh, I got that covered. We become our own savior. And that's what Paul is saying. He is right in the beginning stage, not Paul, David. He's right in the beginning stage of moving into this kingship and overseeing basically, bottom line, overseeing basically the world. The head cheese. And he's telling himself, remember, you can only do this because of what God has given you. So he's reminding himself to receive, to receive what was given to him. Plus, and the gift of righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. You, you receive that by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you confess Jesus Christ, if you're watching online, the 14, it's because you believe that Jesus Christ shed his blood for you you received him, and you called him Lord. Right standing with God is a gift. That's how we reign in this life. So look at Revelation 5.10, and I just want to just quickly just kind of run down this, this part. It says, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. God has redeemed us out of every tribe and every tongue, every nation, and have made us kings and priests. So why did he make us kings and priests? Authority. Think about it. A king reigns, but a priest connects people to God. A king reigns, a priest connects others to God. God wants you to reign over sin and death in this life, helping other people reign over sin and death, showing him Christ, showing him the one who gives the gifts. The reason we can reign is because God gave us authority. The reason Jesus walked with authority, because he knew he received the authority from the Father. Listen to this intently. I wrote this down. Our Father has invested authority in us to represent him to the world. Whether you're in business, marketplace, church ministry, he has invested authority. And we need to understand kindness and mercy to people who don't know them yet. That's why you're crowned. To be able to minister the life of God to other people to serve other people in a position of authority. So he has crowned us with tender kindness and tender mercy. So let's close with this last question. With what are we crowned? With what are we crowned? I think we focus too much in the body of Christ with the crowning. I believe, you know, if you're listening, other churches, I think we focus too much on the crowning part and not with what we're crowned. 
Psalm 103, 4 says, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now notice this, the wording here, not just kindness, because I purposely said it that way a few times earlier. Not just kindness, but loving kindness. Not just mercies, but tender mercies. By the way, the word has a second meaning in Hebrew. It means surrounds. So God surrounds us with loving kindness and tender mercy. We are surrounded by the crown of authority. Everywhere we go, there's authority because God gave us his authority for people, but it's to function through kindness and mercy, loving kindness and tender mercy. Did you know our our God is famous for mercy? Jesus even said this. He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So I'm going to leave you here with this thought. We should be most merciful people, the most merciful people on the earth because we received it. Not because we are it. We received it. We should extend mercy. Now, you can put this statement on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all the different things. God is so merciful that even his throne is called the mercy seat. God is so merciful that even his throne is called the mercy seat. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There are many times in this breakthrough year that you should just stop all the great things that you are attaining and doing and just stop, take a moment, and say, God, I need need more mercy. I need more grace today. But things are great. You just hit the home run that won the World Series. God, I need your grace today. Man, I do that a lot. Just this morning, I came in early because I I pray for you and then we have our prayer times in the morning and then I meet with a lot of people. So it was about quarter to six this morning, I walked in the door and I stopped right there and I just stopped right there and I sat down and I said, God, I can't do this without you today. What, Pastor? You've been doing this 46 years. I can't do it without you. David uses loving kindness and tender mercies a lot because he got it. He spoke to his soul and he really stopped and listened to the Holy Spirit, to his spirit, and he realigned. 
He recalculated. And so throughout Scripture, he may have got a little bit, but as you see in his writings, it got stronger and stronger. Let me read some to you. Psalm 25, 6 says, Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from old. Psalm 40, 11, Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. The famous scripture, Psalm 51, 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your, your loving kindness, According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David used these phrases a lot because he understood it's received in obedience, not by what you do. He believed he received a gift of righteousness, right standing with God. He also understood the authority he had was given to him by the Father and could be taken away. I think we will walk in hum- humility as believers with kindness and mercy when we begin speaking to our own souls. Not how people are reacting to us, not what people are doing, but it's because we speak to our own souls. Nevertheless, whatever is going on in in this time, in this season of my life, I'm going to have loving kindness and tender mercies. And if I understand that, then I will begin to move into that breakthrough. And I will attain, and God will honor that, and he will give you more and more responsibility of touching lives because that's who you are. That's who you are, not what you do. Then we will have authority over sin in our lives. There's another little uh, nugget. I gave you one uh, last November. Here's another nugget. That's how you stop the sin that so easily besets you. We need to remove arrogance, by focusing only on the reigning part. We need to remove that. And walk in this authority that helps us break through over sin and death. And we need to represent loving kindness and tender mercies. That's the authority. You become that, and you represent that. That's how people knew, oh, yeah, he taught. But I know a lot of people who teach greatly, but you don't sense the authority because it's arrogance. Jesus humbled himself and washed the disciples' feet. Man, it's like an oxymoron, isn't it? It's like what we think should do, what we think he should be, like Christmas. He's going to come and destroy the Romans. He came as a lamb, set for the slaughter. 
Mark 15, 16 and 20, uh, through 20 says, Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. The king of the universe, what he did is he took our crown which we should have that crucified. And the 24 elders knew this. And in Revelation chapter 4, it says, the 24 elders fall down in worship, the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy. O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And they exist because you created what you pleased. Let's all stand. The Romans were right. Jesus was paying for our sin. And when he was resurrected, that allowed us to have that resurrection power, the glory of God in our life, that he crowned us with that authority, that Jesus took our sin so that we could have power, authority over our sin and all what the world wants to offer. And with that, you and I, with loving kindness and with tender mercies, as we're released by God into our breakthrough, we receive it. So what do we do? We love one another. We assist one another. We rejoice when someone succeeds, like we did this morning. We are clapping because of the promotion, the testimony of that promotion. We're clapping. Why is that? Because we're lovingly kind and we're tender, we're merciful. And it's not, well, how come I don't get that? Amen? Let me tell you, when you and I understand the heart of David and what David did and what David became. The worst sin in the world. And there David, Psalm 51, verse 1, just cries out to the one who can give that. And you know what God did? He gave it to him. And he served God and the people mightily with great authority 
was kind and was merciful. That's a gift that only can be received and not worked for. Let that heart, that mindset be when you go to work. Let it be your mindset, your heart when you go to your business. And what God will do is that authority, he will so pour out a blessing that there'll be so much in that blessing you will not even have enough to attain it. It'll overflow. But you don't focus on the crowning. You focus on why you're crowned. Let me pray for you. In Jesus' name, I proclaim an absolute overwhelming revelation of who we are in Christ because we received it, not because we earned it. And that it would just spill out into our homes everywhere we go. Lord, that all peoples will see the authority we have of Jesus Christ because we're lovingly kind and tenderly merciful. Lord, I thank you for this new year, this new beginning. You are the God of new beginnings. Lord, that we will begin to walk in such an authority and a power that lives will be transformed, homes will be delivered. Sickness and disease will be cast down because we are as David is. We speak to our souls and we realign and and recalculate every single day of our lives, thanking you that you have given us these wonderful benefits. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you. We'll see you tonight.